Pastor Brent Locker. Thanks. Ah, uh, let's see. It's good to be with you all. It really is. Um, I love this family. I love worshiping with you. I love being with a bunch of people who want to worship and love to worship. And uh, it's really irresistible to God. You know that? So um, I'm, I'm just grateful for that. Um, I want to share something. I'm going to have um, someone come up in just a moment uh, right away here at the beginning. Um, I want to say this from the start. Um, what you do matters to God. It, it matters. What you do matters, and it matters to God. Now, let me, let me clarify already. That's not saying that um, you have to do something to be in God's favor. You don't have to do things in order to be approved of by him. You're approved because you're a son or a daughter, and that's the way it is. But the more he draws us into his presence, the more we encounter him, something happens to us and we go out with that and and we start making a difference and and it is by our love that the world's going to know that Jesus is Lord. Love does look like something. But I'm telling you it's not what you do that saves you, right? You're saved by grace alone. It's just by what Jesus has done for you. But what you do matters. You're on the earth to make a difference. And so I want to start right away by just asking Nori Stitt, who's one of our interns. She's going to come up and share an encounter with you. So um, I just feel, oh God, I know. So um, I had this experience that happened to me a couple weeks ago, and it blew me away. <laughs> Just because of how I am with myself, I'm, of how I measure myself and compare myself with other people, you know, like Heidi Baker, <laughs> I'm like inspirational indeed. And um, I'm hearing a, give accounts of people who've had experiences and to the chambers of God's heart. And I'm just like, always wanted that. I want to experience that. What is that like? I've had little brief moments of it. And a couple weeks ago, um, I know last Sunday, uh, Jim was sharing waiting on God. And that's something that God has just made me for, to wait on him. I just want to wait on him and wait on him because I really can't do anything apart from him. He made me that way because he wants us or me or all of us to be so possessed by his presence because it's really his presence that will change people. It's nothing that we can do or say, and I'm understanding that more. And I know that Heidi Baker is all about that. I'm talking about her because she is an inspiration to me. And, but you hear it and you're like, yeah, but then as you're walking, you, I feel like you have to have those experiences to understand more. And so I had this experience a couple weeks ago and um. And I, t I told Pastor Brent about it, and it blew me away because I, I don't think I'm of worthy of it. I'm aware of my, I need healing in my heart of issues that I'm going through right now, but yet he chose to to allow me to come into this place that I only would think you'd have to be so holy, so perfect, so you have to have everything together. You mean, I mean, you have to be like Jesus. And um, the experience was, I don't know, and I can, I'm trying to figure if I had a heavenly experience. I can't, I don't always understand if it's I'm here or I'm up there. But I tell you this, I didn't see it fully. I saw a little glimpse of it, but I felt it inside of me. This place was absolutely breathtaking and glorious and beautiful and you couldn't even describe it with words I was trying to I wrote down the experience right away and I couldn't even put words on it but I knew it was so beautiful and glorious and it was a palace a, a castle and um, I was in this place and I've been there before but I'm, I didn't I haven't been fully in the place like I was a couple weeks ago and um, he, he, he shared with me that this is my inheritance with Jesus and this place was glorious it was 
incredible. And not only that, he took me into this inner chamber, this room of his heart, but it was in the palace, I felt. (laughs) And um, it was so, uh, I felt so cherished. I felt so loved. I felt so wanted. I felt so desired here. And I felt like I knew who I was. I knew who I was when I've struggled so much to know who I am and was struggling with feelings of timidity so much, you know, but he, he like baptized my heart with love. And it's like, I know that I'm love. I'm love. There's nothing of self-hatred. Everything was gone. I was just love. It was so easy for me to love him. It was so easy for me to love other people. It was so easy for me for him. If he told me to do this, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go and do it, you know? And, um, but the most amazing thing was, is that I've been crying out for this a lot. I want his heart for the lost. I want to know his heart. And I felt like that's the only way it's going to compel me to go out there. Otherwise, I will not go. I'm not. <laughs> I have. <laughs> and he released his heart to me. And um, I know I've, I've been reading about revival people who have that, who have had these experiences where God releases his heart for the broken, the hurting, the worst of sinners, the like who are in habitual sin. They know nothing of God, but yet you feel so his, his absolute love for them. And I, wa- I wanted that. And I, he gave that to me. And I felt it. And, I, and, and because of my brother who had passed away four years ago, he died of a drug overdose. And, and my prayer has been, God, like to those that have been in addictions with habitual sin and they don't know how to get out. They don't know anything of you. I pray that God, you would deliver them and set them free. God, that's my heart. And so he was releasing that heart to me. The very moment I wanted to stay there and I never wanted to leave. I'm like, I've never felt so good before in my whole life. At the same moment, I felt the opposite spirit. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, people have to know about this place. So many people don't know. And and the Lord showed me so clearly, I saw this banqueting table, this huge, massive banqueting table. And I was standing there and there were like all these empty places. And I felt like he was saying so few, he didn't say it audibly, but I knew it in my spirit that so few come here. So few feel that they're worthy of it. So few feel that they don't even have the time to speak to him. And I mean, and I'm, And I was sitting there, standing there, and I felt like he was saying, get ready, because many are going to come into this place. Be ready. And he's like, your job is, your job is to serve them. They're coming in here, and I want you to serve them. I want you to make them feel so valued, because many are coming. And I, I, I was so cool that he showed that to me. And then it dawned on me today, like, I, I was feeling, gosh, I feel so unworthy because I've been going through some issues personally in my life right now that I needed to walk out in. But yet he knew that and he showed that to me. And I thought that was so cool. Like even in the midst of us going through healing, we're always going to need healing, but he still wants to bring us into these radical experiences where we totally feel one with Jesus. And it's awesome. (laughs) So yeah, I felt like that's for the bride, the bride of Christ. That's for all of us. You know, and we get to take that out into the world. So that's it. <laughs> Would anyone here like Nori to pray for you? <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, I, I just... Lord, I just pray for us as the corporately, God, I thank you that you're taking us all into this place where it's a regular thing where we can experience this all the time with you. Be in the courts of the Lord. Be taken up to the throne room. Be taken up to heaven. Jesus, that's what we want. And I thank you that you would help us to wait on you, to wait on your presence because Jesus, you're so worthy. Like what Jim said, you're so worthy of it. So Lord, I just pray that you would take us up even now when Pastor Brent's talking, take us up, God, in to the spirit, God, let us experience you in a very powerful way like we've never have before. And I know this is the new, it's the new, it's the new, it's the new, it's the new. This is the new, the new. He's doing a new thing. So this is the new. These are normal things. We're going to experience this all the time because we need boldness to go out there in the darkness and not be afraid. We're not going to be afraid. And Jesus, amen. <laughs> Thank you.
Wow. <laughs> uh, so Nori's going back with the kids now. So she's, she's interning. Uh, over, she's over our children, director over our children. But, oh, wow. That was so good. <sighs> I'm filled up. Wow. So <laughs> that's what I was talking about. <laughs> That as we encounter God, and, and I know, okay, we can't make encounters with God like that happen. You cannot come into it. I've, I know people, I've done this, you know, I'm going to be on a 40-day fast, and I'm going to sit here until you do that. And sometimes I get to the end of 40 days and go, well, that didn't happen. How much longer am I going to not eat? Um, all I'm trying to say is it's not like you could twist God's arm and get, the, you know, exactly the way you want it. However... You can position your heart to want him and to want encounters. And that's kind of an all-the-time thing. God, even on your bad days, meaning the days when you're forgetting how, you know, who you are, how good he is, it's okay still in the days when you're not feeling it to say, God, I'm not feeling it today, but I still, I, my heart is open. I want you. I want those encounters. That's positioning your heart. And the more you do that, the more he breaks in, sometimes at times you are not expecting, in fact, most of the time when you are not expecting it. And so what happens is when, when the more you encounter God and really get the depth of his love for you, it does compel you to go. I want to share, this is a kind of a cool story. A couple days ago, I got a, uh, fa- oh, it, was on, it was a Facebook post. It was just posted on my, on my, uh, on my page. It said, um, I'm reading Brent Locker's book, Daddy, You Love Me Again, and I'm at chapter 10. Now, I have to, before I go on, just to give this context, in chapter 10, when I'm talking about the love of God that, that sends you, and all of a sudden, you're, you're not only moving in love, but power, and I shared a story about praying for a secretary, and her back was broken when she was a teenager, and then as an adult, she had re-injured it, was in terrible pain, and as I prayed for her, bones were popping and moving. It was one of the very first really dramatic miracles I'd ever been part of. It actually scared me a little, like, what's going on? But she was instantly healed, and she was running around, I mean, you know, dancing around the room, crying because just because the Father loved her. So it was a physical healing, but it was a deep emotional healing. So she's reading that, and she goes on to say, I lay hands and pray for my back, which has been totally blocked up and in intense pain since the prayer walk. Even did a visit to the chiropractor and and massages to no avail. I have to report that my back was instantly healed. (laughs) She says, I'm still in shock. I'm completely pain-free after two days. My back feels odd, strange, strong, reinforced. Wow. Thank you, daddy. Then she goes on. This is what I'm talking about. That was an encounter. What happened is in a moment, she's reading something, but the spirit hits her. Suddenly she has faith that she didn't have. She just makes a declaration. God moves. Something happens. And then what's next is She takes it out. It's just the next thing that happens. She says, wow, thank you, Daddy. Shared at our church last night out of that same chapter and my testimony as well. And all the youth came up for prayer and were crying. Isn't that awesome? And then the last line is, she said, we need this book in Italian. And I went, what? (laughs) Sure enough, looked it up. She's in Italy. I'm like, wow. This... See how the Lord is like linking up the world um, and how people, what you do matters, not just in your own home, and it very much matters there, but in your workplace, in, in your school, wherever you are. But even when you're posting things, on the, you have no idea who's out there looking at that and who needs it at that very moment. So um, I want to share another story with you. We're going to get to scripture in just a minute. I want to just have a couple stories. This, this, um, you all remember Steve McCree, um, or many of you, director of Shepherd's Gate, who, who was paralyzed about eight months ago through a freak accident. And I, and I have great news. I mean, most of you know this, but he is progressively getting much better. Um, he, uh, 
you know, he not, he not only has feeling everywhere, which is really big, I mean, all the way down to his feet and everything, but everything's coming back, and much faster than the doctors could have ever anticipated. They're saying, this is, this is crazy fast, what's going on? I mean, now he can, he can pick up an apple and eat it, which is big news. That means he can, you know, he's fi- fine motor skills are coming back. Anyway, Steve and I are very good friends, and, and uh, I, I, I'm actually over there once a week with him, and this was one of those weeks he said, Brent, we got to pray. We just, you know, he was getting discouraged. He kind of forgets. You know, when I see him once a week, I actually see progress every week, just about. But he forgets because he's sitting there every day and doesn't always see the progress, and he was in one of those places. And he just said, hey, can, can we pray? We just need to pray for healing. And I said, absolutely. And Steve and I, we've been friends for like 20 years. So we, there's just, yeah, anyway, there's something that happens. There's something that happens when we agree with heaven. And so um, I, I got... You know, I was, I was face-to-face with him in the wheelchair when he was in the wheelchair when he asked, and I said, absolutely. So I got up out of my chair, and I went behind him, and I'm standing behind him and put, just putting my hands on his shoulders. Now, a lot of times when, when we're praying or someone asks us to pray, sometimes we get in that performance mode, meaning, okay, what's the right prayer? Am I doing this right? Um, I hope something happens. You know, that kind of stuff. Some of those thoughts can flow through your mind. And so I'm standing behind him, and, and suddenly I just... I, I lost all sense of self right then, and I, and I, I just saw Jesus, and I, I started to, to um, talk about, pray, and, th- you know, thank, thank you, Jesus. I, I just said, thank you for what you've done. We started going through all the things that have happened, all the healing in his life, and then I said, and I said, Jesus, this is where I'm starting to cry already. I said, thank you, all things. All things are made by you and for you and through you. Jesus, all things come back to you. And suddenly, this isn't about praying for Steve anymore. This is about this is about focusing on Jesus and just letting Jesus be Jesus. And then the next thing I saw, I'm looking past him, in, and he has a, a big window right there to a front courtyard. And they have this beautiful fountain out there that's got this big bubble. Uh, it's, a, it's a ball like this, you know, cement, but there's a bubbler that comes up, and the water's coming up several inches and flowing out, and then down to a pool down below. And I'm sitting there praying this prayer, and suddenly this this bird just comes in and and starts drinking. You know, he's fluttering while he's drinking, and then he comes in and splashing himself on the bath. And I'm just losing it. I am starting to weep as I'm watching this thing because I because suddenly, you know, the Lord shows me that that wellspring of life. It's all the time. It's in you. I'm over you. I'm around you. And He's speaking to me through this bird, and He's saying. That bird doesn't know how that um, fountain got there. It doesn't care. It has no idea how it works in engineering. It doesn't care. All it knows is whenever it wants to, there's some water. It comes swooping in. Now it's, you know, getting all washed off, getting its water. Doesn't have to know how it works. That's not even the point. And so often we want to know, you know, how, how is it working? Am I praying the right prayers? What am I doing wrong? The Lord says, you know what? There is a river. There is a river that is flowing constantly night and day from heaven. It never stops. And it's flowing from the throne. And it is flowing right through you. And the, and the river of life has made its home inside of you. And that water is bubbling up all the time around you. And he says to you, anytime you need a drink, here I am. And he says to you, anytime you need cleansing, here I am. There's nothing, just enjoy. You don't have to figure it out. You don't have to know why I decided to do that. You can just revel in it and enjoy and take pleasure take part in what i have provided for you so needless to say we had a really powerful time of prayer Mm. just want to stop for a minute every every single person in this room we sang about the, the the bones earlier and it made me think of ezekiel 47 the dry bones And the Lord showed Ezekiel the dry bones and says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel was pretty smart. He said, Lord, you know. (laughs) You know, Lord. And the Lord showed him. The Lord showed him 
the bones coming to life and skin and everything else, the muscles, everything being put on those bones. And I speak that life to you. I'm speaking that to you, every person in this room. You who are feeling in any way dry and lifeless and like, Lord, where did it go? What happened? There were times where I was feeling you more than I am now. Or, Lord, I've never felt you. I feel dry. And the Lord says to you, live. He says to you, there's a fountain of living water that I have provided for you. And it's flowing from within. The kingdom of God is within you. It's not out there somewhere. It's inside of you. Everything you need, you have. Because I'm a good father. And I know how to take care of you. So drink. Drink. Drink of my goodness. You don't have to go somewhere to find it. It's flowing over you. Just open your mouth. Take it in. And you say, Lord, I've, I feel like a failure. I feel like I've blown it, forgotten who I am, making bad choices. He says, yeah, I know. Been with you. <clears throat> Never left you. Doesn't shock me. Doesn't upset me. But I got a better life. I got a better plan. So just receive the cleansing that is over you. It's nothing you work for. It's nothing... You don't make promises to me. You just wash in the water that I provided. Jesus said one time, he said, you are clean already by the word I've spoken over you. (laughs) Okay, let me just say that again. Jesus said, because this is right out of the book, you are clean already by the word I have spoken over you. What's that word? He's the one that says, you're clean, you're forgiven, you're mine. Now let's go. Let's go. Let's go make a difference in the world. Let's go love people. Let's go serve people. Mm. Wow. Mm. What you do matters to God. I was reading a passage. I was reading from John the other day, the other week. And uh, you know one of those where you're, you've, you're reading over something you've read many times before. And all of a sudden I was seeing things I never saw before. I'm like, oh, this is good. This is really good. And uh, so I'm going to read in John chapter 1. Um, starting with verse 35. So the next day, as John, this is John the Baptist, he stood there again with, with two of his disciples. So John's there. He's got two of his own disciples. Okay, Jesus hasn't really gathered his disciples yet. He was just baptized the day before, actually. Jesus went past, and John looked towards him, and he said, look. He's telling his disciples, look, that's the guy I was talking about. That's the guy I baptized. There is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. There's the Lamb of God, sorry, that takes away the sin of the world was back in verse 29. I just added that. Um, and they and the two disciples heard what, what John said, and, and they followed Jesus. That's a big deal. They were following John for, I don't know how long, years probably. And John says, you guys, this is the one we've been waiting for. This is really the one you want to follow. And they're like, okay, we're going that way. Uh, so, but, but they started to follow Jesus. <laughs> they're following Jesus. Yeah, it seems like they haven't said anything yet to him. <laughs> they're just, I think I'm going to follow you now. And so Jesus turned around and, and saw them following. He says, what do you want? And they answered, Rabbi, which means teacher, where do you live? And he replied, come and see. They're saying, Jesus, we want to hang with you. We want to do life with you. 
He's like, all right then, why don't you come and see? And so they, they went and they saw where he lived and they stayed with him that day and it was about the 10th hour. Now, one of these two who became followers of Jesus after hearing what John had said was Andrew. How much do you hear about Andrew in the scriptures? Not a lot. He's in there now and then, but very infrequently. Who do, who do you hear about mostly? Peter, John, James, but mostly, I would say mostly Peter and John, right? And then Peter, John, and James are the ones that hang around with Jesus in some of the experiences. But you don't hear about Andrew too much. Uh, but check this out. He was the brother of Simon Peter, right? Now, is, here's why this is significant. Because Andrew, I told you, right, you encounter Jesus, you encounter the Lord, and then something happens to you, and you start going out, and you can't help it. And you're making a difference, and it's just the love in you. You can't help it, right? So Andrew has this encounter. What does he do? He goes and talks to his brother. And he says, uh, first, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother. He found him, so he's searching for him. And he said to him, we have found the Messiah. Peter, we found him. The one we've been looking for, we found him, which means the Christ. And he took Simon to Jesus. That was huge. And it just glossed over. You know, I'm not glossed over, but you know what I mean. We don't, we don't stop and think about. He encountered Jesus. He went and got someone and said, you've got to know this guy. I don't even have it all figured out yet. I don't know why it is that I'm so drawn to him, but this is the guy. This is the guy. Peter comes, and of course, you know, Peter is the one that, that uh, you read a lot about in the book of Acts um, you know, raising people from the dead and such. And, um, but that was significant. What Andrew did was significant. And sometimes I know that it's, I know that so often we're looking for significance in our life. Am I doing enough? Nori mentioned earlier about, about comparing herself. And you know what? We could all raise our hand if I was, if I was to ask, you know, who here ever compares yourself to somebody to see, to, you know, how, to think how you're doing, right? We all do it, even when we don't want to. Even if we don't want to for seasons, we still do it. Every, you know, we just do. But the thing is, is that um, in the body of Christ, there's only one story being told. And it's the story of Jesus. <laughs> Jesus through all of history. Christ in you, Christ in me, and all of us are a part of the story. Are you important as an individual? Of course you are. Of course you're important. What you do matters. But sometimes we, we put all the weight on ourselves. Like, am I doing enough? Am I significant enough? And, and Jesus says, why don't you just look to me and let me tell you the next thing I want you to do? Because I know how to orchestrate this whole thing. Andrew probably had no idea when he went and told his brother. I'm sure he had no idea. Hey, I bet you if I go tell Peter, we could be part of the 12. And then eventually Jesus is going to die for our sins, but it's okay because we're going to get filled with the Spirit. And then we're going to go and save the world. I'm sure that's what's going to happen, right? Like he knew any of that. All he did is he told his brother, dude, you need to know this guy, right? So he goes, oh, my goodness. And uh, let me just see. I think this is where I want to stop for just a minute. Yeah. So he, he took Simon to Jesus. And Jesus, no, I, I want to stop right there. He took Simon to Jesus. Okay. So this is my point again that love looks like something. Here's the other thing I want to tell you. We're going to hear another testimony in a second here. I want to tell you something. That um, so often we like, we, we're trying to plan our life out for God, you know? These are the great things I'm going to do for God. And in order to get there, I'm going to have to do this and this and this. I am not saying that that's altogether bad or wrong. It's okay to have goals. It's okay to say, hey, I want to grow in this area so I can get to this place in my life. That's actually good. I'm not trying to downplay that. But this whole idea that we can script things out is kind of funny when you really think about it. Especially funny when you've tried it, right? Because um, rarely does it work out the way you're scripting it. But here's the thing. The more we get to know the Lord, I mean really know his heart and, and experience him, then when we're in the moment when something happens that you were not expecting, you are ready. 
And you're ready not because you memorized a book of what do I say if this should happen. You're ready because you know the one who lives in you. Right? So Shannon's going to come up and share this pretty amazing story. Okay, um, about a couple of weeks ago, uh, oh, and Brent, yeah, I didn't realize I was ready. You were right about that. Okay, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was at work. You know, I was working a, a 7 to 3 o'clock shift um, where I work in Dublin, and it was about 2.40 in the afternoon, so it was like really like towards the end of my shift, and, you know, we were just going about normal and everything. All of a sudden, I hear my manager go, Call 911. I'm like, what? So I'm like, what? Okay. And, and, and I mean, it was like I wasn't really prepared for that. So picked up the phone. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Because usually the phone's there. Do you dial nine first or whatever? So I was thinking all this all, all, all the same time. I'll, I'll just call 911. So that's what I did. I called, I, I just typed 911, went through. And then from there, uh, the man, my manager told me what was going on. There was a lady that had fallen and in one of the aisles a little ways away and was having um, a seizure. And she was just, um, I guess the, the way my manager was describing it, she was um, shaking or, no, she was trying to swallow her tongue and doing all this stuff that, you know, whatever. And, and then... Um, she finally went back over there, and I'm still in the register, and I'm thinking, well, gee, you know, what's going on? What's going on? Next thing I know, I see the uh, fire department come, and then the paramedics, then the um, uh, ambulance come. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, you know, Lord, what's going on? You know, what? You know, I wasn't sure what to do, but I also had to pay attention to the customers because they're coming. I'm on the first register, so I'm like the main person, and I'm dealing with the customers at the same time. And then... Um, and then the next thing I know, one of my coworkers comes up to me and said, they can't find a pulse. Immediately. I mean, I didn't even care if I lost my job. I didn't care if I, you know, I mean, I just, it just, my whole, I mean, I went from being an employee to, I don't know, another dimension. It was like I shifted and I started praying in tongues. And it was out loud, and I didn't care. And I just started, there was no customers for a while there, and a lot of people were, like, staying back because they saw there was stuff going on. So I started walking over towards that direction, praying in tongues. Finally, I said, she shall live and not die. And I spoke it out loud, just boom. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm thinking in my head, I'm going, oh, my gosh, this is not like me, you know, to do this. So, um so I, so I started declaring it, and I started declaring it, just praying in tongue. Then I went back because I had another customer, and that customer, so I came back, and I started dealing with her. She's like, don't you hate it when stuff like that happens? I'm like looking at her going, okay, I'm not dealing with that. I just kept bringing her up, and, just, and then went back and started praying. And then um, after that, I asked one, oh, one of the employees came up to me and said, they've got a pulse. And I went, thank you, Jesus. And I was... <laughs> And I want to I say that I have never felt faith rise in me like that in a long, long time. It was like I had this, um, um, I don't know what you call it, I had this great amount of, of faith. And I had been given a prophecy years ago that I had a gift of faith. So that was just like um, more than I had ever experienced before. So, and then, um, and so I, yeah, that was my, that's my testimony. So. Man, as I'm listening to this, I'm just crying for, for two reasons. One, because I'm so proud of you. And I know that Papa is so proud of you. And, and also, I'm just crying because the Lord is here. You know, I mean, this presence is so strong. Um, I, I, you know, did, did, now, the skeptic would say, oh, you know, it didn't really matter what Shannon did. Baloney. Uh, that, I mean, God is looking for who in this, who in this, experience can hear my voice and can speak life because it's what I want to do. And I'm waiting. I'm, heaven is waiting for us to agree. So that's so good, Shannon. I, one, of the, one of these days, we'll have to have Don and Allison Daly come and share their stories. Remember, some of you have been around a while. You remember Don and Allison. But they, they recently, but maybe a year ago, had 
I mean, ex- just like that. But somebody in a restaurant, they were just there having their meal, right? And this person dies, and the, and they go over. The paramedics are working on them. They go over, and they they just go right up and speak life, and 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 he comes back to life. And th- and then they just drove off, like they didn't wait around. And they're sitting there laughing, like, yeah, just another day in the kingdom, you know. Um, but let me say this. Um, uh, again, remember that comparison thing, how that's not really going to serve us well. So like if you haven't prayed for anyone to be raised from the dead yet or lately, don't put yourself down. Um, there's all kinds of ways God can use you in the kingdom. And so let, let me just share a different example. So I'm having coffee just a couple days ago outside of, outside of Pete's and I hear this you know, I'm looking right up and I see a pretty bad crash, a van going right into the side of a car that pulled out. You know, the van was probably going at least 30, 40 miles per hour. It was a really good knock. And so they both go, you know, crashing. Uh, they, somehow, amazingly, both of them were able to drive off to the side. The woman gets out, and I know she's older because she has white hair, and she, she's, I'm going, oh, boy, thank you, Lord. And she's running around to the back, and I'm like, there's a child. And sure enough... She's going in and getting this little child out. And uh, now this was like a, you know, a couple hundred yards away. I'm at Pete's. I'm working on my computer. And I'm like, okay, that was pretty crazy. Kind of shook me up a little bit. And then, I, you know, looking down back at my work and I'm like, I can't. This is not what I'm supposed to do anymore. Uh, do you know that God will interrupt you? You know, you have plans. But then, like I told you, things will happen right where you are. And you're his representative, right? So I put it all away. You know, I probably got there a few minutes later by the time I actually got up to them. And it was the coolest thing in the world because I was there. Um, the, the woman and, the, and it was actually her granddaughter were there. And I was able to just um, speak life to them, calm them down. I actually was speaking, you know, the grandma, you know, everyone was totally in shock actually was what was happening. And even the little girl, you know, I'm okay, okay, yeah, I'm okay. But she's just babbling because she's in shock too. And I just said, you know what, honey, it's going to be, I think her name was Brittany, but anyway, um, it, it's going to be okay. I said, I said, Jesus is here with you. And I said, you know what, I just washed away that trauma. It's not going to affect your life. You know, you just, <laughs> you get to speak those things and they matter. They change history. It changes that little girl's history. It changes, you know, and, and the guy that hit him, he was really upset. I'm like, it's going to be okay. I said, you know, the, I don't remember all that I said, but I said, they're, they're safe now. You know, I don't even remember if I said God or not. You know, God will turn this around. I might have said that. I don't really know. Anyway, that's what I'm talking about is just it's, it's the more you're filled up with him. You can't plan those things. Just like I said, you can't plan the encounters. You can keep an open heart. You also can't really plan. Yes, you can go pray for someone that needs praying. That's awesome. But there are going to be many things in life you're not planning for. But, but that's, remember Paul said, be ready in season and out of season. Do you remember that? That's in um, 2 Timothy. Be ready in season and out of season. What does that mean? That means you are filled. That little bubbling water thing's going on all the time in you, whether you feel it or not. You're not waiting for the feeling. You are God's representative. He's chosen you. You are his his ambassador. So you get to step out in the moment and not worry about whether you're feeling it because it's in you. He's in you. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to go on with the story here. Believe it or not, we're going to go back on to John 1 because there's a little bit more. Oh, we got more. We got more fun yet tonight. There's a little bit more here. Um, tonight, um, many of you received words of, of prophecy. How many of you actually received words tonight? Raise your hand, prophetic words. Cool. So like, you know, 15 of you that are here, I'm I'm sure it was a lot more than that. Um, how many of you, um, had the privilege of giving those words? Raise your hand. Awesome. Cool. Now let, let's, um, Let's just talk, I want to talk about prophecy and knowledge because as this story goes on, you're going to see both of those things happening in some of their first encounters with Jesus, Andrew and Peter and Nathaniel and some others, okay? So let's just talk about it real quick. First of all, prophecy is, um, is the ability to 
be close enough to God to know his heart for somebody. And most of the time it's spoken out, but not always. Prophecy can be in things that you do. There's different ways, like if, if you've seen prophetic art, prophetic worship. There's, there's different ways that you can reveal the heart of God to somebody. But that's what you're doing. You're being his spokesperson in some way, shape, or form. And, and, and Paul described it later in 1 Corinthians um, 14. He described how prophecy is all about building up, edifying, encouraging, pushing them on further. So it's not to be used to trash somebody. You don't use information to say, oh, you're blowing it. They're like, great, that was encouraging. So prophecy sees past that and sees what God sees and sees into the, the, the greatness of who they really are and into their future, right? Words of knowledge and prophecy often work hand in hand. In fact, when later on when we do some words of prophecy, you'll actually, they're actually kind of intertwined because uh, we're not normally thinking, well, let's see, that was a word of knowledge, that's a word of prophecy. But word of knowledge is often is just something you couldn't know that the Lord showed you, but often it's used to get somebody's attention, um, often it's, it's like, oh, wow, how did you know that? How did God knows me? Oh yeah. And, and not only does he know you, but here's your future. You see how the two often work hand in hand. It gets their attention. This is exactly what you're going to see right here. So check this out. We're going to read it. And, and then the next thing we're going to do is we're going to have a team up here to actually do some of this. All right. So here we go. In John uh, chapter one, we stopped at when last we spoke, Simon, <laughs> Andrew was taking Simon to Jesus. All right. So verse 42, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. He's going, what? how did you know that? But he goes on. There's a word of knowledge. But he goes on and says to him, this is prophecy. You are to be called Cephas, which means rock. He's saying, Simon, I know you. Whoa. How'd you, how'd you get my name? Uh, did someone tell you that? Well, yes, yeah, somebody did. But not any of your friends. But the next thing is, and you know what, you know what your destiny is? C Cephas, rock. You're going to be the rock. Now, check this out. This is so important that you get this because with prophecy, I'm telling you, often when you get prophetic words, you don't exactly know what they're about yet. You think you know what they're about, but you don't always really know what they're about. How come I say this? Most of you don't remember this verse. When you, what you remember is three years later when Peter said, we sang about it tonight. Who do you say that I am? He's been hanging out with his disciples for three years. He, and then at the end, it's like a test time. Who, come on, you're hearing all kinds of garbage out there about me, and you're hearing good stuff and bad stuff. Who do you, you've been around me. Who do you say that I am? And Peter, thanks to Andrew, who's even allows Peter to be in the circle, right? Peter says, good, good job, Andrew. We're going to build up Andrew today. <laughs> but Peter says, you are the Christ. I get it, Jesus. I know who you are. You're the one we were waiting for. You are the son of the living God. And, and then Jesus gives context to the prophecy he gave him three years earlier. And he says, and he says, Peter, because you get it, because of your, because of the revelation, you get the revelation. You spoke it out that I will build my church on. You are that rock. You're the rock. Before that, think about it for a minute. Peter could have been going back and going, okay, wait, he called me the rock. Um, okay, wait, am I, so what, I have no personality? I'm dead weight? Three years later, he says, no, you're the solid one. Because you know who I am. And the, only, and the Holy Spirit gave you that revelation, but you got it, Peter. And you declared it. You were bold enough to just say it, that I will build my church on. And he goes on. 
The next day, after Jesus had decided to leave for Galilee, he met Philip and said, follow me. Philip came from the same town, Bethsaida, as Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. What did Philip do? He encountered Jesus. What did he do? He went and told Nathanael, you've got to meet this guy. I can't explain it. He's amazing. And Nathanael says to, to Philip, um, I'm sorry, Philip says to Nathanael, verse 45, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. He's like, dude, we found him. We found the Messiah. Nathanael says, from Nazareth, can anything good come from that place? I'm telling you, the next line is actually the gift of wisdom. Not really talking about that tonight, but I'm telling you, this next one is a gift of wisdom. Can I tell you something? About 99.9% .9 of the time, plus 0.1, you're not going to convince people if you got that anyway. You're not going to, you're not going to argue people into the kingdom. It doesn't work. They're just like, oh, I'm just going to redouble my rareness, you know? Because you're trying to tell me I'm wrong. He doesn't, he doesn't say, Dude, chill. Nazareth's not so bad. Jesus is. He, all he says is, this is, the, this is wisdom. He says, come and see. This is just like, and some of you have had these conversations. You're talking to someone about Jesus. They're like, no, nah, thanks. And sometimes all of a sudden you get this wisdom. Something, it might sound something like this. Oh, that's cool. But you know what? When you need him, because they will. When you need him calling him and ask him if he's real. That's just your way of saying, I can't convince you, but you know what? Why don't you, why don't you just see for yourself? So, um, come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathanael coming, Jesus said of him, there truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deception. So Nathaniel's coming, and from a ways off, he, you know what he's saying? You are one honest dude. And Nathaniel's like, oh, how do you know me? That was a word of knowledge. God was giving him a word of knowledge. You've heard that in this church. We've said, sometimes people say, well, those kind words, you know, that's not really prophecy, is it? Well, some of them, is, it's knowledge. You know, some of it's just a word of knowledge. And we need... We need to know because we don't believe the goodness inside of us. We don't, we don't see what Jesus sees. We put ourselves down all the time, and we need those words that say, oh, let me tell you something. This may sound simple, but you really love God, and he sees that. And all of a sudden, the person goes, that's right. I do really love him. So he says to him, hey, you're, you're a man without, of whom there's no deception, or some of, your, some of your verses will say no guile. Nathaniel asked, how do you know me? And Jesus replied, before Philip came, before Philip came to call you, I saw you under the fig tree. Now, when I was growing up as a kid reading this, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, there was another time where Jesus was walking around and he saw him under a fig tree and, and you know, oh, that's that guy. Later on, I'll meet him. I mean, that's how you could take all this, except that that wouldn't make any sense in context of this at all. It is totally a word of knowledge. In other words, at first, when Nathaniel's coming, I'm going to use our vernacular a little bit. He's getting a sense from the father. This is an honest guy. Tell him so. And the next thing, Jesus, another, and the other way, the other word of knowledge is a picture. Okay, he's still needing to know that you know who he is. Uh, and the Lord had already shown him a picture of him under a fig tree. Now, that may not sound significant to you and me right now, but it was super significant right here to Nathaniel because... Because Nathaniel answered, Rabbi, you are the son of God. What? Because he told him he was under a fig tree? Yes, because somehow the Jesus nailed something right on. And, and somehow in his spirit, Nathaniel knew, oh, my gosh, you know things. He says, yeah, uh, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus replied, you believe that just because I said I saw you under the fig tree? He's like, dude, hang on to your hat because there's lots more than this coming. And here comes the word of prophecy. So he, here, that was the word of knowledge. Here's the word of prophecy. Nathaniel, let me tell you something. You are going to see greater things than that.
And then he added, in all truth, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending over the Son of Man. That's a prophetic word because Jesus is seeing into the future and actually that's exactly what happens. Do you see how it works? There's reasons for the gifts. They're not, they're not to impress people. It's not, hey, I'm pretty close to Jesus, so I can do this and this and this. Hey, are you impressed yet? It's, it's not about that at all, I promise you. It is, it is, we're all just parts of the one story, right? But the closer we get to him, the more these things are going to happen. And a lot of times they're happening without you even trying. You weren't sitting there going, let me think of a prophetic word for you. You know, um, hey, I have a word of knowledge. Instead, you're just saying stuff because the Lord's giving it to you or you're seeing pictures and you're describing things. And suddenly it means something to that person and it starts changing their life. It gives them a different perspective of their future. All right, that's my intro into, we're going to have some fun tonight. It's a little early on purpose because we're going to have more fun. Um, I would like, this is what we're going to do. Today we had prophetic words where we had teams and people were, uh, you know, they spoke life into them. And by the way, if you're interested in that and you missed it, it's usually every other month, the first Saturday of every other month, usually. But it's always, we always advertise it ahead of time. So next time, if you're like, man, I want that, please come. Um, and you can receive those words personally. But what, what, what we're going to do right now, I want to call up um, our, our Blazing Fire Overseers. And this is the team that I actually introduced to you about a month or so ago. It's a team of people that I was telling you this is not the elder team, but it's just a team that we have empowered to help us to steward the, you know, the, the family here, to, um, to help us with the core values in this family. And I realized something. I never put it in an email or anything else. So if you were gone that night, you know nothing about this because <laughs> it was just one night. And next week, um, next uh, Sunday, uh, myself and Suzanne and a team of four others are, um, are leaving for Uganda. And so we will be here next Saturday, but we're going to cut out really quick, right at 9 o'clock. I'm just telling you now. Um, but, but we're gone. Suzanne and I are gone. Russ and Susan are on sabbatical. They're gone. So right now, the only elders that are left standing in the room after next week would be these two wonderful people, Todd and Karina Lau. But it's important that you, um, that you know, okay, if they were the only two you had to go to, if something were to come up, you needed help, you saw something that didn't feel right or look right, and you want, like, who do I go to? The overseers that are going to come up here, those, these would be perfect ones on a Saturday night, you know, to come up to and just talk to. And, and so that's why I want you to see them again. But you're not just going to see them. They're going to be the ones tonight that are going to give some prophetic words. So I want to ask, um, later on, later we're going to have the, prayer team up too but right now i just want to ask the overseers as well as the elders to come up right now come on up come on up 